come to the last and the greatest of the commandments, the Tenth Commandment, you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. I say it's the greatest, but really it's tie with the first where Paul calls covetousness idolatry. Tenth Commandment and the first are really bound together and the rest are on the same string of pearls. But it does go where no other commandment goes directly to the heart. Lord Say 44, page 893 in the back of your songbooks. We'll just do question and answer 113 this afternoon. That's about the 10th commandment in particular and 114 and 115 about the 10 commandments together. What is God's will for you in the 10th commandment that not even the slightest desire or thought contrary to any one of God's commandments should ever arise in our hearts? Rather, with all our hearts, we should always hate sin and delight in all righteousness. Our scripture reading this afternoon is the first book of the Bible, chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6, 3, 1 through 6. Page 3 in your Bibles. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. This is God's word. May he instruct us by it this afternoon and for the rest of our lives. People of God, the 10th commandment is about desire. To be human is to desire. And desire is powerful. It is a powerful force on the globe. Desire builds families. Desire builds businesses. Desire brings the gospel to the ends of the earth in missionary labor, the power of desire. We think of desire as a bad word sometimes. It's a good word. It's a powerful word, a powerful force. But it can be bad because desire also murders. 
It commits adultery. It steals. It gossips. Desire can be a force for great destruction. It's a poison that can bring us down. We saw that this, after, or this morning in 1 Timothy 6. Those who desire to get rich fall into temptation and a snare. And they plunge themselves into many griefs and destruction. Desire. All commandments, remember, go back to paradise. You find them all in the garden. And in that original sin of Adam and Eve, all sin is found in that original sin as well. It's the mother of all sins. So also the 10th commandment goes back to the garden. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Coveting is evil desire. Then in Deuteronomy 5, it says it again, but this time it uses two words, covet and desire. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his land, his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. This is, in a sense, the greatest of all commandments because it goes where no other commandment goes. All the other commandments deal with our outward actions and confession first and then through that reach the heart. This one goes directly to the heart. You shall not covet. shall not have evil desires in your heart. That's what it's saying. It's asking what is your heart's desire? What's your mind's craving? What desire is driving your everyday decisions and your reactions to suffering and things that don't go your way? That's the issue of the 10th commandment. We want to see three things. The power of desire and then the corruption of desire instead of the object of desire as in your bulletins. The corruption of desire and then the redemption of desire in Jesus Christ. The power of it. The power of desire. You shall not covet what belongs to your neighbor. You shall not set your desire on what belongs to your neighbor. That addresses something living very deeply in man's mind and heart. Desire. Every human being is filled with desire, driven by desire, and God is addressing the core of the human life, the heart that from which are issued all the desires of our lives. Human life, congregation, is not driven by instinct like the animal kingdom. It's driven by desire. To desire is to be human, and to be human is to desire is truly a beautiful thing. God made us to desire, and he made things to be desired. And that word desire, found in the 10th commandment, you shall not covet, that word covet is used already in Genesis 2, verse 9. If you still have your Bibles open there, go back a chapter, 2, verse 9. It says, out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The word pleasant means to be desired or to be coveted. God made up to spring every tree that is to be coveted by the eyes, by the sight, and good for food. To be desired. Again, the same word, you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Even though desires can go in the wrong direction, God made them good. 
And he made his creation desirable. And he wants us to desire his creation. He wants us to desire everything right and good for his sake. So the desire itself found at the root of coveting, the desire itself, that power, when we set our desire on something or someone, is not sin. It's a beautiful power. It's very basic to our humanity created in God's image. It's good, it's important, and it needs to be cultivated. It needs to be strengthened in every heart and mind. It's the lie of Buddhism that desire itself is evil and needs to be destroyed. You need to get rid of it. There's the truth of Scripture that desire needs to be cultivated needs to be increased as long as that desire is pleasing to the Lord. You know that famous line perhaps from C.S. Lewis. The Bible says that our problem is not that we desire things, but that we desire the wrong things or desire good things in the wrong way. C.S. Lewis famously put it, the problem is not that we desire too much, but that we desire too little like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We want fleeting worldly pleasures. But God doesn't say to us, shame on you for wanting things. He says, I can give you something much better and more lasting than all the world's trivial trinkets. I want you to want more. I want you to desire better, higher. And so God made all creation to be desired for his own sake. And that means that every desire that we have for food, for sex, for clothing, for community, for money, for wisdom, it's all good as long as it serves a higher desire for pleasing God, for becoming like him in the right way. Psalm 19 verse 10 calls us to desire the word of God, the commandments of the Lord are pure or are true and righteous altogether, more to be desired or coveted, same word as the 10th commandment, more to be desired or coveted are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Do you covet the word of God? You desire it. Is it sweet to your taste like honey? Isaiah 26 verse nine speaks of desiring God himself. Isaiah says, my soul yearns for you, desires you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. Do you covet God himself, friendship with him, communion with him, being comforted by him, knowing and experiencing his love, serving him, feeling his pleasure in what you say and do? Do you covet God himself? So if you have desires, praise the Lord. And strengthen those desires, good desires. Do you desire to marry? To have children? To make a living? To enjoy good food? To get an education? To get first place in the race? Praise the Lord. God made you that way. Increase those desires. Pour fuel on that spark of desire within you. Fan it into flame. Just be sure that those desires are all in line with the will of God. And all those desires are for God's sake that your desire to marry is part and parcel of your desire to please God. 
and not simply to please yourself because then your desire for marriage is greedy, selfish, corrupt, destructive. Desire to work. It's a good desire. As long as it's a desire to serve the Lord and not a desire to seek and serve yourself because then your desire to work is rotten. It's corrupt. So let's make sure then that desire is not for what God has not given you and what is not yours to have, but for what God has given you and called you to and what is yours to have. Well, we see secondly the corruption of human desire. Satan put before Adam and Eve the temptation to desire what was not theirs to have. The fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. The fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, it was a beautiful tree. It too was a desirable tree that God made. But it was not to be desired for eating. But desired for trusting. Believing, obeying God. And they would see it and say, this is a beautiful symbol and calling for us to trust God. That was its beauty. That was its desirability. But not to eat it and look for a kind of wisdom that was not for them to have. And that's where the power of good desire was poisoned at that tree. It was poisoned into a desire for evil when Eve, followed by Adam, before she reached out her hand and picked the fruit, before she put it to her mouth and sank her teeth into it, she coveted it. She set her heart's desire on eating it. Look at chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, that word is the same as the 10th commandment, desirable to the eyes, and that the tree was to be, here's the other word from the Ten Commandments, coveted to make one wise. Both words are the two words used in the Deuteronomy version of the Tenth Commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land. When she saw that it was desirable to the eyes and that it was to be coveted to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate, and that's the day that good human desire was poisoned into corrupt human desire to disobey God and to take what was not ours to take and to do what is not ours to do. Was the fruit bad? No, it was good. Was the desire for wisdom bad? No. But the kind of wisdom she wanted be like God, knowing good and evil. It was a wrong kind of wisdom. We all want to be like God in the sense of obeying him and imitating him, but not in the sense of competing with him and becoming equal to him like Satan tried and failed. And that's the desire that was in her heart as she desired that fruit knowing that it would make her wise, or hoping that it would. It was corrupt. 
She wanted to experience the dark side and the hope that she could become like God. A proper desire for wisdom is a desire for wisdom that submits to God as his creature and child, not a wisdom that competes with God as a usurper like Satan tried to do. It was really a desire to follow Satan and become like him. That's what that was. And ever since that time, the whole human race, every human heart is driven not by a pure desire to please God and to enjoy life in his creation to the glory of God. No, every human heart is now driven by a poison desire called lust that covets what's illicit, that hungers and thirsts for what's out of bounds, what's not for me. Now covetousness lives in the human heart and drives it. But it always comes out of the eyes, the Bible says. It starts in the heart and comes out of the eyes. We read that so often in the Bible where covetousness works, covetousness works through seeing, like Eve saw the fruit and desired it. Achan saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, and he coveted them and took them. When God had said no, he said no, none of that is yours, don't take it. But he desired it. He saw it, desired it, took it. David saw Bathsheba and desired her in his heart. Jesus said whoever looks at a woman lustfully, covetously has committed adultery with her in his heart. The eyes are always the vehicle of the coveting heart. And then it moves from the eyes to the hands to the action. To take what God forbids. To take what God has not given to us. Whether it be food or a sexually attractive person or a neighbor's shiny Porsche. Well, what are the different kinds of things we can covet? There are so many. You can just covet and ease your life. How come everything goes so easy for them? How come my life is so hard? That's not fair. And we get dissatisfied with the life that God gave us and we're not content with our lot anymore. That's covetousness. Dissatisfied with the lines that God has given you to live inside. We can covet a different personality, different looks, different gifts, or a different family. We look at our neighbor and we want the personality he has. He's easygoing. I wish I was like that. Or we want his looks. His face is perfectly proportioned. Or we want her talents. Or my life would be so much better if I looked like her. Or I wish my kids were more like their kids. I'm not satisfied with my family. I wish I were smart like him. He reads something once and he remembers it. Why can't I just have a normal family like theirs? We're all weird. And we can become very dissatisfied with what God has given us and begin to become greedy for what somebody else has been given as if we're entitled to have that for ourselves and blame God for not being fair and try to reach out and take what's not ours. 
We can covet our neighbor's spouse. I wish I had a husband like she has. I wish I had a wife like she has. You'd understand if you knew who, who, who I have to live with. Or if I'm single or widowed, I can despise my situation and covet. Why can't I be married like she is, like he is? Can covet our neighbor's spouse. We can covet their wealth. I wish I was rich like them. They don't have a care in the world. They get such nice vacations. They get to go to Disney. And then we can pursue a life like that so that we can have those extra perks and that higher standard of living so that I can go where I want to go and our hearts become discontented with what God has given us and we try to reach for what's beyond ours. Now, there's nothing wrong with coveting godliness and cheerfulness and all the fruit of the Spirit. I wish I was more patient like her. Praise the Lord. Keep, keep desiring that. That's a good desire. God wants us to desire and imitate the holiness of others. But we must not covet the things that God has not given to us and not called us to be. Because that's when life becomes thankless, grumpy, and dissatisfied, and miserable. There's nothing necessarily wrong with noticing what other people have, but most of us don't stop and notice so that we can give thanks to God for his blessing to others. I'm thankful for the way you've blessed them and the way they're using their blessings for your glory, Lord. That's a great asset in your kingdom. No, Instead of doing that, we notice what other people have and we stop being thankful for what God has given us and wish we had more. And then we twist a holy desire into a corrupt one. What an evil thing. What a terrible, tragic thing has happened to the human race. The most powerful force given to man desire which has been given to us to subdue the earth be fruitful multiply subdue the earth and rule over it desire to seek his kingdom to serve his glory desire to enjoy him in all of life that that has been twisted into a desire that is destructive unthankful and ruins people's lives. Oh, how much we need the grace of God to have our desires redeemed. Is there any way out of this trap? Yes, there is. We see thirdly, desire redeemed is redeemed through Jesus Christ. Jesus came not to destroy desire, but to give us rebirth to a new desire. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, he came to destroy evil desire, but not desire itself. He's not the Buddha 2.0. He is the redeemer, the recreator. Jesus came to obey his father's will, not to question it, not to defy it, not to desire something else. 
He desired his father's will. No matter what came in the way to tempt him, he burst through those temptations and he obeyed the father's will all the way to death. And even when he was at the cross and he would be tempted to desire to get down, he would not go that route. He stayed. And all his life, Satan is holding that forbidden fruit before him. It'll make you wise. You can be, you can fast track your way to glory. You can become ruler of the nations without going to the cross. He's holding that fruit in front of him. He even uses Peter. Peter's sword. Satan uses even Peter's sword to try to protect Christ, but Christ says, put your sword back in its sheath. I desire to do my Father's will. I desire to redeem my lost people. I desire to build the kingdom of God. I desire to build a society that's full of pure desire again. A new creation. I desire to make everything new. He was fully committed to the will of God from beginning to end. And it's because he was faithful down to the core of his being, the depth of all his desires that there's a new way and a new heart for us. He did that to be obedient where we were disobedient. He did that to pay the price for all our disobedience. He did that to plant the new obedience in us by the Spirit. We're all born with Adam's, the first Adam's covetousness, evil desires driving us to disobey God. So what did God do? He sent the last Adam who desired God and his neighbor's good to the end so that in him we might have a new life. That's how we can get rid of all those evil desires that pull us towards seeing and doing what's wrong. We must believe in Jesus Christ, beloved. Sometimes we let evil desires, even as believers, play games with us. We let them have their way and we don't look for a way out or we think there isn't a way out. There is. The Lord Jesus, when you believe in him, the Holy Spirit plants Jesus in you with new desires. He unites you to Christ and he gives you the power to fight the flesh, the lusts of the flesh, evil desires, to say no to them, to pound them into the ground, put them in the tomb, bury them in Christ. And yes, gives you the power to say yes to what's good and pleasing to God. To desire what's right. If you're a covetous person who always wants more, more money, more land, more power, more pleasure, more vacation. If you're a covetous person who always wants other, other people's joy, other people's talents, other people's spouse, other people's kids, other people's looks, other people's life, other people's achievements. If you're a covetous person who always wants more, who always wants other, there's a cure for my unhappy, discontented heart. The Lord Jesus, who will rebuild you from the inside out, give you a new heart, new life. That's what he meant when he said to Nicodemus, 
you need to be born again. How's that going to happen? He says a little later in that John 3 chapter, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's where the new life is. Jesus being crucified with our sins and punishment nailed to him on the cross and coming out of the grave again with a new life for us. It's in him. He's the only one who can truly satisfy all your desires, fill you with joy, give you what no new job or no new pickup truck or no new shoes or no new spouse could ever give you, happiness. Happiness. So Paul says in Colossians 3, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, not on earthly things, for Christ is your life. And then he says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. So first he says, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. For Christ is your life. And doing that, he says, put to death your evil desires and covetousness, which is idolatry. The two belong together. If you want to put away evil desire, you have to desire the good desire, the Lord Jesus. You have to remember in Christ who you are and what you have and how rich you are, how glorious is your future. He gave you just the looks he wanted you to have, just the family he wanted you to have, just the job that he wanted you to have, the talents he wanted you to have to serve his glory. Some get five, some get two, some get one. Desire him with all that you are and have. Be thankful to him for all that you are and have. And whenever you think on him, you know what? Covetousness is being strangled in your life. Don't you find that when you have an evil desire? I I have it so bad. You lift up your mind to the Lord Jesus and think, wait, wait. I have it so good. I'm the richest person in the world. I have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, nor fade away. I have a Savior who's always praying for me. A Holy Spirit is living within me. I have the body of Christ. I'm the richest guy. I'm the richest woman on earth. And when you're, you're tempted to desire your neighbor's land, think, I have the promised land. I already have all the land in the world. Why would I be wanting my neighbor's land when God hasn't given it to me? I wish I had my neighbor's spouse. You got a spouse that's infinitely better than your neighbor's spouse, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we set our mind on things above, That satisfaction and that will crush covetousness in my life. But faith must keep looking to him to destroy my greed and covetousness and my reaching out for and wishing for what's not mine to have. 
And that will turn complaints into thanksgiving, self-pity into joy. Jesus crushed the serpent's head, the head of coveting by purchasing for us a glorious future for us to desire and long for, a wonderful present to live in for his glory. Let that hope of Jesus fill you and drive you. And then whether you have much or little, you'll be satisfied and you'll enjoy it in a way that brings God much glory and you much joy. God gave you desire. It's a great gift. It's a huge power. In Jesus, that desire is redeemed. Let us employ our desires not to take what's not ours, or want what's not ours, but to use what God has given us for his glory and to rest in that new creation he's promised. Amen. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the 10th commandment too. We need this commandment like all the rest. Thank you that it is fulfilled in us for us and in us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that your power of holy desire and true contentment and seeking the Lord will live in us. Help us to take all the powers of our hearts and minds and offer them up to your glory and to take great pleasure and have thanksgiving for what you've given to our neighbors as well. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.